0: Well, good morning. Welcome to our continuing Bible study in the uh, book of Luke. We're in beginning chapter 21. And, of course, that chapter is just for our benefit so we can find stuff easily. And and <clears throat> the circumstances that we find ourselves in today is the same uh, that we've been in for quite some time. And we're in Luke chapter 21 today, beginning of chapter 21. <clears throat> and... Just as by way of context, it's the Passover week. It's the week before Passover, and and our scripture in uh, Luke chapter, the very first uh, verse in Luke chapter 20 was, and Jesus was in the temple teaching and preaching the gospel, and, and that's where he's at as we find him here in the beginning of chapter 21 and after he dealt with all those uh, issues that we that we uh, took a look at in the in through chapter twenty, and so we're going to have uh, Luke twenty one verse one through four here. Uh, the widows mites or the widows offerings is uh, kind of the the setting here, and so in Luke uh, <clears throat> twenty one verse one, he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, and also and he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites and he said of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all for all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings of God but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had and um, so there's a couple of the this uh, particular record is uh, brought to us in in Luke, and also in the Gospel of Mark in chapter twelve. And and he adds a uh, pretty much the same record. He adds one word there that's uh, uh, not in this one, but uh, in uh, verse two here it says uh, he saw a poor widow casting in thither two mites. And in in Mark's Gospel, he says uh, she cast in two mites. Which uh, equals uh, one farthing, and uh, and and so mites and farthing. Interestingly, they're old English words. And they're uh, in the Greek. They're they're, they're uh, something uh, different, and so we'll we'll look at that this morning. And um, <coughs> so we have our Lord <coughs> observing what's going on in there in this outer. Area of the temple and the, the where the offering boxes are, and and uh, one one commentators uh, and I mentioned this in some of the other lessons where there was there were 13 boxes uh, where they could put their offerings and they had kind of a brass funnel thing on them so that that people could put their coins in there and it would kind of make a, a racket when they dumped them in and you can imagine this poor widow is throwing in her two. Two mites rattling around and dropping into the box, and these rich guys going up and dumping in a whole lot of coins and having it make a lot of racket and and uh, and draw attention that oh listen, sat, listen to how much he threw in and so uh, once again we have a situation where the Lord and His disciples are there for a specific purpose, and the Lord makes an observation and calls it to the attention of the disciples as something worthy of note. And we, and because it's it's emphasizes it because we we see it here and also in in the book of Mark, and and He says, "Of a truth," He brings our attention. He says, "Of a truth, I'm going to tell you something of a truth." And <clears throat> so He saw this certain poor widow and whenever we see that word certain it always draws our attention to that person even though they may not be named in the lord's view it's a certain person a certain person with whom he is acquainted and he knew all about this as as we read that he knew a lot about her because he's the lord <laughs> she was a widow and she was poor and he knew her condition he knew her circumstances he knew he knew that the two mites was all she had. How could he know that unless he's just the Lord God Almighty? <clears throat> and he knew it was no coincidence that she was there at that very moment in time for his purposes and according to his will. And it was the, <clears throat> again, it's the Passover week, and <clears throat> people were coming from all over the Jewish world there, they were commanded to uh, attend these three feasts in a year and they came and and at the Passover week it was customary that they pay the annual temple tax Uh, and uh, it's it's kind of a side note interestingly though when the Lord was up in the Capernaum area the the, uh, religious folks had sent out the the past the platers and they were putting the arm on everybody to pay their temple tax <laughs> and not waiting for them to come to Jerusalem to do it. They they sent envoys out to do that and they said, does not your master pay the the offering? And and so he told one of the disciples to go down to the water and pick up this fish. And the fish had a coin in its mouth. And he says, there's your, there's your offering for you and for me. And, and so it's kind of an interesting side note there. So uh, many were there to because it was a requirement that they came. It was a Jewish law that they should attend. And, and others were there because the Spirit had revealed Christ in them and 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 they knew what the Passover meant, and they knew the Lamb was slain in their stead and taking the wrath that they deserved, but through merciful grace were saved from. And the Lord had just previously, in chapter 20, described the motives <coughs> of many of the ultra-religious that were at the temple, and they were trying to trick him into saying something that he could be arrested for. And trick him into making him not be popular with the people by saying something that they would disagree with. And and <clears throat> and uh, in the cl- kind of the closing end of uh, chapter 20 that we were just in, in verse 45, it says, Then in the audience <clears throat> of all the people, he says this loud enough for everybody to hear him, he said unto his disciples, <clears throat> Beware of those scribes which desire to walk in the long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at the feasts. And then he says, which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. So they were pretending to be religious and they were extorting these widows uh, in various manner uh, methods to they were just fodder to them. "Oh, I can get something out of her i can uh, I can raise the rent on her place till she can't afford it again, and then she'll have to move out and then I'll rent it to somebody else or uh, you know, the list goes on and on, but uh, they devour widows' houses that, uh, with no concern for them. And so in our text today, we have an example of the rich who appeared on the outside to be religious and pious and devout, and yet some of these had accumulated their wealth by devouring widows' houses. And through whatever means, the religious folks are always very good at manipulation and guilt and appealing to pride, and physically they use their position and power to extract this money from whoever they could, and with little or no consequence or thought for the how it was going to turn out, and into this mix, then we're introduced to one of these widows. Coincidence, we call that in the Bible. <laughs> Coincidentally, <clears throat> and the Lord causes this to be recorded, and and intending to teach His disciples and the the church throughout time. And so we find it in our scripture, and uh, I read one religious uh, organization interpretation of this. Well, this is a warning to the congregation that Jesus is watching every contribution you make, and so you should act accordingly as if he was looking over your shoulder at how much you're putting in when the plate passes by. <laughs> More. Let that be a warning to you that Jesus is looking. <laughs> it's so far off from the spiritual meaning of this block of scripture but that it's utilized by many churches to put the arm on folks and uh, what a blessing we don't have that here you know a couple of words that are here translated in our Bibles that I mentioned earlier they're very interesting as giving us a more visual representation of some spiritual thing the mites here in our text describes a very thin, a very small coin that was of just little value, and a mite is actually an old English term. When the King James version was translated of sixteen eleven, they used this term mite because it was an old English word that meant a crumb, a little tiny amount, and so they thought, well, that would give people the sense of what a this greek term lepton lepton is or uh, in in the greek that's that might is translated from it and, and uh, it's might is translated for us from this greek word lepton uh, the root word of which is uh, leptis which means a flake uh, a tiny thing when we lived up in alaska they did a lot of gold mining up there and and one time I had to go pick up a load of gold for somebody and it, they had this gallon or quart jar, plastic jar full of gold flakes. It was about the size of a little pickle container. Weighed 45 pounds. <laughs> it was just full of these little thin flakes of gold that had been run through a sluice box and they'd been pounded over the ages and they are little thin flakes but added all together they they were pretty dense but uh so this this leptus meaning a flake, a very tiny thing and and monetarily the gospel of Mark says that two of these mites, these leptons, equaled a farthing, which is another old English word, which means a fourth. Uh, and it's from a Latin word meaning quadrants, quad four. So what, basically what this means is uh, two of these mites were the equivalent of a farthing which was only worth a fourth of a larger denomination <laughs> which was small. <laughs> so it was a small part of a smaller part of an, another small thing and so it, monetarily I, it was kind of like a peso. I don't know what you could buy with two mites but probably not much. and. And uh, to give you another, an idea of the, a graphic idea of the smallness of it, in the, in today's world of physics, <clears throat> uh, I was talking to Norm about, you know, when we were kids and growing up taking science, we had molecules and we found out that molecules were made up of atoms and atoms were made up of electrons and neutrons and protons. And then we find out that that was as small as they could go back then and now they've We've got electron microscopes and they can look smaller and smaller and smaller. And we find out that uh, the protons are made up of quarks and the quarks are made up of what they call leptons. (coughs) They named them leptons because they were the smallest thing that they could name them after. And maybe when our children are all grown up they'll have be able to look at a smaller thing and they'll have to come up with some new name <laughs> to call the the tiny part the smaller part and so uh, this lepton is a an elementary particle that exists on its own if you want to look that up and see what it says about it but uh, <clears throat> anyways name mostly for size and but spiritually, <clears throat> as we look at this, much more is represented here. She she threw in this word, she's thrown in her living. Another interesting word here that we find in, in, in the Greek, that word is bios, and it means life. She threw her life in, and, and not monetarily. It's just a spiritual representation that she threw all of her, everything, all of her trust, all of her faith, all of her care—it it represents her trusting to to Christ for that. And you know, she could, if he would, if a name had been recorded for her, we might have found her in Hebrews chapter eleven. By faith, the widow threw in all of her living, all of her life, all of her bios that's what that greek word is and uh she threw all of her bios <clears throat> and that that's the root word for much of biology and, and those kind of things that uh, we we have uh, today so <clears throat> it's always interesting how those words are are incorporated into our vocabulary and we and we don't really understand it very much but <clears throat> spiritually she threw she threw all of her trust in Christ and <clears throat> you know it, it brings to mind a couple of verses he said if you had if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed <laughs> oh ye of little faith she, she threw all she had in and what she had in was uh you know the scriptures what does a man have that he didn't receive and <clears throat> this woman her circumstances may have been poor in this world but uh may be rich in, in spiritual things and because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and for it by the elders obtained a good report. And through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. There Hebrews 11, 1 through 3 there. And so we learned from our previous lessons that the definition of faith and a, a wonderful substitute for that word, if you look up in your Strong's uh, dictionary, your Greek Hebrew dictionary, it says total reliance on Christ for salvation. And if you take that and apply it every time you see that word faith, it just makes so much sense. By total reliance on Christ for salvation, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. By faith, by faith, and by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, a certain widow had total trust for her salvation in God. And contrarily, we've observed experientially that it's the the broad custom of religion to not to- not totally rely on Christ for salvation. <laughs> they just say, I'm not seeing any action here, so we need to move things along because we're not trusting in the Lord to do His work. We're not trusting in the Holy Spirit to do what it's written in in Thessalonians where He said, Boy, knowing your election of God because the word, the gospel came to you not in word only but in power... And in the Holy Spirit that 's what has to happen, and we don't if we don't see that action happening, we say, "Well, maybe we ought to sing a thousand verses of "Just as I am" at the end of the service until somebody gets guilted into coming forward, or we need to ooch the holy Spirit's taking the day off, so we need to help out a little bit and we need to rely on emotionalism and psychology to assist God in an area where Assistance is not only not needed, but it's actually rebellion against the actual cause of salvation. And the same thing goes on with the offering thing. Uh, we 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 formerly went to a years years and years years ago in the eighties. We went to this place, and the treasurer of the church was wringing his hands all the time. We just don't. I have enough money, and I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills, and I don't. He was just worried all the time. He was just sick because they didn't trust God to take care of that issue any more than they trusted Him to take care of the salvation issue. They didn't trust Him, and they they tried to accomplish it without Him, and that was a big mistake. And so. You have all these repeated preaching on giving needed to acquire the desired level of funding we we want to build a bigger building and we need uh, more funding for that and and <clears throat> so they they use these same tactics to rationalize unscriptural activities uh, and it just never works out it just it just doesn't and it works out for the non for the those religious folks that want to make a show that want to be looked at and admired throughout town and in the marketplaces and stuff and uh, <clears throat> but it's it's just certainly not not scriptural and and so <clears throat> today later on our pastor is going to be preaching on this kind of the same subject because it comes up in where we're at in the book of Numbers and exegetically which is the way that we go through the Bible which means we just go chapter by chapter verse by verse line by line and we address things as they come up and this is coming up in this block of scripture that he's going to be looking at today and I don't remember the last time it came up <laughs> it could have been 16 years ago it could have it just so seldom uh, that he talks about that, and then he always brings a scriptural view of it, what it's about. And back then, it had a different purpose. But uh, today, I you know I can attest that in twenty years that we've attended here, this is the I think the second time that he's talked about that <laughs> twenty twenty years, and and that's just due to that's where we are exegetically in the Bible and and. He trusts the Lord to take care of things, and man, we not since we've been here. That's all we've ever observed. We don't. Ha- we never have passed a plate, or he mentions, "Well, so and so's coming." We have a jar back there. Somebody wants to help out. Fine, uh, but uh, we never, we never take a time out of our uh, opportunity to present the gospel. And use it to try and fundraise. <laughs> it just doesn't happen, and and it's such a freeing thing. Uh, we we just don't we just don't get involved in that. And so far, trusting God has worked out pretty well, <laughs> and uh, a lot better than where we were back in the '80s. So so. <clears throat> As a practical matter, we have on the back wall that unmarked box with a slot in it and those who wish to make an offering or gift or contribution can drop it in the box or or not as the Spirit moves them And We have a treasurer here who's the most circumspect man I've ever met. He doesn't say, we ought need to have a deacon's meeting or go to the pastor and say, well, I know so-and-so is not ponying up here maybe you should talk about that (laughs) we never know anything he doesn't he just does his job and never says a word about it takes care of the bills everything works out it's just a a just so free uh, and we we appreciate him the way that he handles that uh, particular job there and so it's the belief of this body that the Lord supplies all our needs and then some. He's gracious, grace abounding. And without ever once having to apply any pressure on anyone, we trust Him to do His business in salvation and in support. And He's never failed in anything. And so there's many spiritual lessons today to be gained from our lesson regarding this this poor widow and uh in in James chapter one verse twenty seven he wrote pure religion and undefined undefiled I mean before God the, the religion that God pays attention to that He's happy with <clears throat> Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the Fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. He says that's, a, that's evidence of fruit of the Spirit when that happens. So in this block of Scripture, we don't see any of those rich folks that were throwing in of their wealth going over to that widow and saying, I see you've cast in all your living. Let me help you out. Here's some grocery money here. Uh, you, you don't need to pay your rent next month because you've, you've paid the temple tax and, and given all you've had to the Lord. So I know you're in a hard way. No. Don't pay attention to her and that clink, clink noise that went down the brass funnel. Listen to this noise from all the coins that I threw in and look at me, how wonderful I am. And... <clears throat> So we don't see them visiting this widow in her affliction. We didn't read that they, they did anything like that to to visit, to go and see and relieve is what that means. Uh, and in fact, the, the contrary was expressed previously in our last closing verses of chapter 20. They devour widows' houses. How opposite that is from... And, and I think that's what the Lord is trying to point out here, not uh, so much as... Here's the amount that she put in. And here's the amount they put in. It was a spiritual uh, issue, a faith issue, uh, uh, an evidence of spirit of God working issue. And religion today uh, is so much different. You know, wealth or lack of it is not a measure of someone's spiritual condition. And and we and we we're taught to kind of view things. Oh, they're they're pretty bad off; they must have done something that made God angry or they're not he's not blessing them because they're not coming to church three times a week and in Friday night bible study and and attending the luncheon meetings and all the doing all this or going out and uh passing out pamphlets or uh, you know it's not a measure of that and uh, religion today seems to say that if you're, per, pure, if you're poor, God isn't happy with you because you're not doing, 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 doing. And conversely, if you are wealthy, it must surely be a sign that God is pleased with you. Well, you know what Paul said? He said, when I was in religion, I had a lot of money. I profited much above my brothers in the Jewish religion. And he says, you know, that was all done. <laughs> it was worth nothing. In Luke 18, back when we were there a long time ago, a certain uh, ruler asked Jesus in Luke 18:18, 18, 18 uh, said, Good Master, what shall I do to inherit an eternal life? Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Well, you just lack this one thing. Sell everything you have and distribute to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Trust in me, not in all that stuff that you have. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful because he was very rich. And Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful and he said, How hardly that they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. They just depend on that instead of trusting in me. This, this poor widow she exhibited total trust in God. She cast in all of her living. I, I just can't imagine that. <laughs> you know, I like to have my cushion and all this other stuff, and I like to have my lotter stocked and and rent paid up and all that little things. And I just can't imagine saying, "Well, here's the whole thing. I try, I'm throwing all my care on you because you care for me." Uh, so it's just a. One of those cases where he says, you little face, <laughs> it's a good thing I've taken care of that for you because if it depended on you, it, it would be bad. Uh, <clears throat> this, this widow, she had displayed her total trust in God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, well, who makes you to differ from another? And what do you have that you didn't receive? Everything comes from God. Why do you glory as if you didn't receive it? And uh, another scripture in Romans 8, chapter 5 and 6 is, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And, you know, God blesses us with all spiritual blessings in Christ, and in this world, it supplies our needs according to his purpose, and we, in some small way, acknowledging that by uh, acknowledging that he's the source of all things and and we give him credit for that and uh, we're allowed to take a portion of what he's blessed us with and cheerfully give in support of declaring the the gospel is as, as he has charged us that 's what our mission is in this world is go and preach the Gospel to every creature and every nation every tongue and and this widow gave all she had, and Christ gave all he had on the cross for her and for, and for all of his sheep and so it's kind of the spiritual lesson here is it's not a question of amount or it's not a question of of creating a ceremony or a law out of it. It's just a picture of, of faith. It's just a picture of her saying, I trust you and not, not myself. Uh, <clears throat> I have a, a couple of pictures of leptons here. If you want to look at them, I'll pass them around. You can buy these religious, religious souvenirs from the Holy Land. <clears throat> you can buy reproductions. You can buy a whole sack of reproductions for six bucks, but if you want the real McCoy, it's like seventy-five dollars for six of them, and uh, they have them available online. <laughs> So I used to have some good, really good pictures of them. Uh, it, you know, I used to subscribe to biblical archaeological magazine, and they were always had these color, eight by eleven color glossy photos of get your souvenir of the Holy Land, original widow's mites. You can get two of them for whatever twenty bucks or whatever. <clears throat> and, so, so anyway, that'll be the the end of this lesson for today on the widow's mites. and and. But keep in mind that it was Passover week and the Lord was about to make the ultimate sacrifice for his people, for his sheep. And what is he doing? He's teaching the gospel. He's preaching and teaching the gospel in the temple just right up to the minute before they take him away. And Uh, So I'll be uh, gone for I don't know how long, a couple weeks maybe, or maybe longer, I don't know, but uh, go down and help Yvonne's mom out on some things, and Yuma, so you have somebody else up here for a spell. So uh, in the meantime, thank you for your attention, and as always, be free.